Have you ever wondered how many commandments there are in the Bible? The Jewish people actually, uh, at one point, had gone and, 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 and looked at the specific commandments in the Old Testament, and they had figured out that there were roughly about 600 or a little bit over 600 specific commandments in the Old Testament. I would say there's really more than that because when you look at much of the Old Testament is story, is narrative, and so there's a lot of truth that's pulled out of that. So we put all that together, and that's just in the Old Testament. Add the New Testament to that, you're talking about thousands of commands of, of direction that God gives us for our lives. I don't know about you, but I'm good just to remember the Ten Commandments, amen? I mean, all right, let's just test that for just a second. Is there anybody in this room right now who could give us a summary of the Ten Commandments. And, and by the way, I'm going to spice it up a little bit. If you can, Starbucks gift card, okay? All right, you should have studied, all right? Think you got it, Pat? Anybody? All right, let's try it here. Just a summary here. Just say them quickly. Love the Lord God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. Okay, those are the two greatest commandments. All right, how about the Ten? Ten Commandments. All right, let's say it together. No other gods, no graven images, no name in vain, keep the Sabbath, honor your parents, it's good not to murder, no adultery, uh, no stealing, no lying, no coveting. All right, so I get the gift card, all right? <laughs> so sorry. All right, now, you know, that's just... You know, an example to us of how there's ten commandments that we struggle, okay? Unless we really intentionally spend some time thinking about those commandments, it's difficult. And so we might say, well, God, you know, if there's hundreds, if there's thousands of commandments and and we struggle just to remember what you call your top ten, how are we supposed to, first of all, possibly, first of all, just remember them, much less what? Try to live those things out. And we might look at God, as some people do, and we say, you know what, God, you're just not a very fair kind of God. Basically, you've said to us, you've given us an impossible list to cover, and it's just not right, it's just not fair. Is that, is that the kind of God that you are? When maybe we should think of it like this, that God has an awful lot in store for our lives, and He never intended for us to live it on our own anyway. We've been studying about some of the some basics because we say, you know what, there is a lot. And listen, we're going to spend the rest of our lives on this earth as a church family, as followers of Jesus, seeking Him, right? Learning these things because all of those things, all those different nuances and directions that He teaches us, all of those things are important. But we've been saying over the last few weeks, well, let's just try to bring it down to some, to some, you know, some basics. That every day I can say, here are some things that I need to think about in my walk with God. What we're going to talk about today, I would say to you that probably many people don't consider very often, much less every day, many of us probably even feel like we don't really know that much about it, but I would say to you, I would challenge you, and I I hope God's going to speak to us this morning, that it is most definitely one of the things that we ought to think about every single day of our lives. Today we're going to talk about that every day. You and I, as followers of Jesus, need to watch for His return. The Lord is coming back. 
And we need to be getting ready for that. Let me start by, first of all, asking you this question. Did you know that Jesus is coming again? Did you know that? Did you know that Christ is coming back? Now, a little while ago, I was listening to a message by James McDonald. And James McDonald actually, in this message, apologized to his church family because he said there was a topic, and I guess their church had been around for about 10 or 15 years at that time. He said, there's a topic that I have never talked to our church family about. And specifically for him, it was about the dangers of alcohol. And so he was apologizing for not speaking more about that. I can't say that I've never spoken about the second coming of Christ. We have. But I can say to you that according to God's word, I might need to apologize that we haven't talked about it more. Let me give you some reasons for that. 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter uh, 5, verses 1 and 2. In that passage, Paul says, Now as to the times and the epochs, or the seasons, brethren, you have no need of anything to be written to you. For you yourselves know full well that the day of the Lord will come just like a thief in the night. Now I want you to pay attention to something. Here is a church that the Apostle Paul was a part of helping to start. And as far as we know, he only spent a few weeks to possibly a few months in that area. But apparently in that short time that he was with them... He taught them so much about the coming of Christ that he said, really, all I have to do is remind you about some things because you know know what's going to happen. You know full well about it. Then over in 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 5, again, he's speaking to this church. And Thessalonians, by the way, are some of, if not the earliest letters of the Apostle Paul. In that letter, he says, do you not remember? He's talking about the second coming. He says, do you not remember that while I was still with you, I was telling you these things? Now, that's what we get the clues from God's Word, that apparently the second coming is something that's very important, and it's something that's even kind of basics. But many times we kind of think of it like this. You know what? That's something that I don't know much about, and eventually I'll kind of get around to it, because it seems kind of complicated, right? And to be honest with you, Pastor Robbie, I mean, it doesn't really seem super practical to my everyday life in some sense. I mean, I know spending time with God and dealing with sin and, and helping other people, all that kind of helps me daily. But, but this seems like something that maybe stronger Christians, maybe people that have gone a little bit further and learned a little bit more, maybe that they should be learning about. The evangelist D.L. Moody said it was 15 years before he had ever heard a sermon about the second coming of Jesus. But listen. Friends, listen. We want to be taught, right? We want to learn, right? We're here to grow, amen? Okay? Even when sometimes God shows us something that we didn't know, apparently early believers not only knew about, but actually eagerly anticipated the return of Jesus. In fact, it's been said that one of their early greetings was the Hebrew or the Aramaic Maranatha. Maranatha means it's, it's a prayer. It's, Lord, come. It's, Lord, come. And so as part of their greeting, they were reminding ourselves that it could be any day now that Jesus is coming back. Let's read some scriptures that talks about that. Acts chapter 1, verses 10 through 11. And you read the part that's underlined on the screen. It says, And as they were gazing intently into the sky, while He was going, Jesus had died on the cross. He had been resurrected. He spent about 40 days with His disciples, teaching them, preparing them, But now he's leaving. It says, Behold, two men in white clothing stood beside them. That sounds like what? They're angels. They also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into the sky? 
This Jesus, who has been taken up from you into heaven, what? He's coming in just the same way as you watched him go into heaven. He's coming visibly. He's coming physically. And actually, we could get even more specific on that Mount of Olives that they were standing on. The Bible says that that's, that's the actual point that he's going to come back to. And we could get into more detail with that if we were to dig into that a little bit deeper in God's Word. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 16 through 17. The Bible says, For the Lord Himself will descend from heaven with a shout, what? With the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we shall... Always be with the Lord. Now those are two of the many verses that the Bible give us that Jesus is coming back. Did you know He's coming back? Let me share with you how prominent this theme is in God's Word. And I believe this is going to be very eye-opening for us as, just as much as it is me as I, as I look through this, as I study this in my own walk with the Lord. Did you know that there are 300 prophecies in the Bible of Jesus' first coming? Of His first advent. Okay, we're, we're celebrating what? We're celebrating Christmas right now. There are 300 prophecies about that. Did you know that there are five times as many? 1,500 prophecies of Jesus' second coming. In the New Testament, 23... 23 of the 27 New Testament books speak about the second coming of Jesus. Every single writer in the New Testament... Somewhere in his writings speaks about the second coming of Jesus. The Bible has over 31,000 verses. And every 25th to 30th verse in some way refers to the second coming of Jesus. Wow! Did you know that? One person said this, The second coming of Jesus Christ is the most covered theme in all of Scripture. Did you know that? It's the most covered theme in all of Scripture. And the enormous number of prophetic verses about the second coming underlines the vital importance of this event and God's plan for mankind and shows how important it is for our lives. When God writes something once, it's important, amen? When He keeps on over and over again emphasizing something, that tells us that it's something that we need to pay attention to for our lives. Did you know that Jesus is coming again? He is coming back. But what does that mean uh, for our everyday lives? What does that mean? What, how are we supposed to respond? to? That? Okay, I know He's coming again, but you might say... I don't even know what's going to happen. I don't, I don't what, you know, I, yes, Jesus is coming back and I'm looking forward to that. But, but what does that mean? What's going to be involved with that? Well, let's talk about that. Do you know what to expect? Do you know what's going to happen? Do you know some of the things that are going to take place? I find one of two things among Christians. There are some Christians who know nothing about Christ's return. And there are some Christians who focus on nothing but Christ's return. Okay. 
I mean, and they get into all the, all the, you know, different theories and all the, these and dates and times and all this kind of stuff. Listen, let me just share something with you as a side note. That kind of stuff, getting sidetracked is exactly what the enemy wants us to do. If the enemy can keep us from doing God's work in this world, however he does it, whether it's through sin or getting you off track on some focus, Listen, God wants us to understand about his return, but we need to be careful not to just kind of get all captivated with those details and not do what he left us here to do. Amen. Okay, but today I want to give you an outline. We could spend a whole series on this, but today I want to give you a little bit of an outline. Look at Matthew chapter 24, verse 32. In Matthew 24, verse 32, Jesus said this. It says, now learn the parable from the fig tree. When its branch has already become tender and puts forth its leaves, you know that it is summer, that summer is near. Okay, Jesus gives a picture right here. Jesus gives uh, an example from horticulture, okay? How many of you like gardening? Anybody like to garden, okay? Well, it's a good thing you do because I'm not very good at it, all right? I mean, my granddad, when I was growing up, my my granddad, he had a garden, and I would help him out in the garden, and that was fun. And when we planted the trees here, when... We moved into New Hope. We planted those trees, and I helped. I, probably the one that died is the one that I helped put in. But anyway, I just, it's just not my thing, all right? But some of you can understand. And Jesus says, he, he points to them. He says, listen, when you see that tree, when you see it beginning to go through a process of budding and, and kind of, you know, getting leaves on it, then, then you just know summer's coming. We have this little white stuff that floats through the air. I guess what, people? We're going to have some winter. Amen? I mean, it's amazing to me that all of us people from upstate New York, you know, some people are like, oh, man. I'm like, how long have you been here? Okay? (laughs) I mean, fight it all you want, but every year we're going to have some winter. All right? About a week or so ago, Shannon's van started making a noise, and my kids would say, yeah, Dad, it does every day. But listen, I tell them, I say, guys, that van is the Langfords, okay? We cannot get rid of that van. That van is part of the history of New Hope Community Church. It helped us start this church. Sound like a, sound like a classic dad, don't I? Okay, but, but anyway, when that van, I've had it so long, when that van makes this certain noise, I can pretty well guarantee you that's the alternator going out, okay? So I called my mechanic. I said, I'm pretty sure it's the alternator. So I just picked up an alternator and took it. But he said, you're right. It was the alternator. All right. There are certain things in life we see. We notice you have seen things that you see. And you say, I know what's coming, Donna. They are indicators of something that is about to happen. So Jesus says in Matthew 24, verse 33, he says, So you too, when you see all these things, recognize that he is near even right at the door. The Lord said, listen, there are some things that we can observe. Now, listen, be very careful. We're not going to get into that specifics, and I'm trying to figure it out, and I'm trying to have all these theories and all this kind of stuff because that's not what God left us here for. But we can say there's some things that we can notice and say, you know what? I think my Lord might be coming fairly soon. Amen? Now, I want to give you some of those things. Just a, just a summary of some of what the Bible says or some of the things that we can expect. There we go. I thought I was going to give you some things. All right. So here, Jesus came. He died for our sins. He rose again. He left us here. We're living in what people call the church age. Okay. 
That's the time now when God's working in us. We're sharing the good news. The Bible talks about a time called a rapture when God takes his people out of this world. Then we have the tribulation, a time of of terrible distress on the earth that the Bible talks about. Then this is the actual second visible physical coming of Jesus Christ back to this world. Then a thousand years where the Bible teaches that he will reign here on this earth. And then the great white throne of judgment there and then eternity. We will all either spend heaven, spend eternity with God in heaven or in a place separated called hell. Now, that's pretty much, as you look at God's Word, a basic outline of what you're going to find is sort of laid out. Now, there is some question about this one, the rapture. Some people believe that it's here at the beginning of this. Some people believe it's in the middle there. Some people believe it's right at the second coming. And uh, we don't really have time to talk about that as much today. But, but we can dig into that and kind of look at what does the Bible say about those things. But I just want to give you kind of a basic overview because... As I said, digging into specific details is not healthy, but having an overall awareness of what's going to happen is not only healthy, but Jesus said we should as his followers. And it's actually a little more specific than what I just shared because the, the, the statement that Jesus made in Matthew 24, verses 32 and 33, follows some things that he gave earlier in Matthew 24. So you can go back and look at Matthew 24, verses 1 through 14, and Jesus talks about some things. He says, at the end of history, as as this world is sort of wrapping up, you're going to see some things happen. He talks about that there's going to be more people coming back claiming to be Christ, claiming to be the Messiah. But listen, friend, let me make this very clear. When Jesus comes back, there will be no question. There will be no, I wonder. There will be no, it sounds pretty good. There will be no, I'm not sure. No, the Bible says every eye will see him. Okay? So don't believe those false Christs. He said, said, just be careful. I'm warning you. I'm cautioning you. Watch out for that. There's going to be some things happen. There's going to be persecution of believers. There's going to be difficult times of, of following Jesus and claiming to be one of his followers. There's going to be wars and conflicts around this world. You say, well, there's always been. Did you know what? At the end of history, these things are going to ramp up even more. It's like a drum roll is starting. In fact, that persecution I was talking about, did you know that more Christians have died because of their faith in Jesus in the last century than in all the others combined? Okay? Uh, think about the weather. Anybody ever say, what's going on with the weather, right? You know, and everybody's trying to figure out what's happening with the weather and all that kind of stuff. Listen, even our governor said, uh, I think it was last year, he said, when you have a couple of 500-year storms a year or two apart, you start wondering what's going on. Okay, friend, when you heard that, you should say, hmm, Even the world around me is noticing that there's a little bit of a drum roll happening, isn't there? God is preparing things. This world is winding down. But here's some of the most important things to look for. Write these down. Fill these in. First of all, Israel is very important. Israel is vital to God's plan. Listen, in the Bible, we're given the impression that Israel is going to be a nation in the end times and God is going to do a special work among her. But listen, there was one problem. Back in 1948, now many of us in this room weren't alive during that time. Some of you, that was during your lifetime. Back in 1948, something very, very significant happened. What happened? Israel became a nation again. 
Did you know, I know of no other, certainly no other ancient civilization, no other ancient nation that broke up and ever came back together. After 2,000 years of not being a nation. Listen, so here's what would have happened. Back in 1948, you would have said, okay, we're looking at the Bible, we're looking at some of what God says, but we know Israel's got to become a nation. If you were living in 1948, you would say, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, this is weird. This doesn't happen. Wow. God kind of knows what he's talking about here. There's some things in this book that are true, that are right, that God's predicting are going to happen, and I need to pay attention. The Bible says that as Israel becomes a nation, the world's going to begin turning on Israel. Okay? By the way, then this is not meant to be political. It's just telling you God's word. The United States needs to watch out. Because typically we've been a friend to Israel. And the Bible has said those who are friends to Israel, God's going to bless. And those who aren't friends to Israel can't be blessed. Okay? In the United States, over the last few years, we've started saying, well, maybe, maybe not. There's been a crack. We need to watch out for that. But the Bible says that at the end of history, God's going to finish out his work with Israel. You know why? Because he's faithful. God always finishes what he starts. You might say, I'm not an Israelite. I'm not a Jewish person. Yet I bring great joy to your heart that God finishes what he starts. When God has a bride, he sees it all the way through, even if we've been unfaithful. Isn't that good news? Secondly, the conditions in the world are going to get worse. We talked about weather. We talked about society. It's going to get darker. It's going to get harder, not better. Second uh, Timothy chapter 3, verse 1, those verses talk about that. Now listen to me very carefully. Pastor Robbie is not a pessimist. If you're around me for very long, you know. I'm optimistic. Listen, when you follow Jesus, you've got a lot to look forward to. Amen? Okay, so this is not being pessimistic. We're just saying, listen, we're not saying give up. We're not saying just go limp. We're not saying, oh, it's bad, and so I just woe is us. What we're saying is I just realized that I cannot put my hope in something that is wrapping up, that is fading away. I can't try to revive something. So, so let's think about this for just a minute. There's two extremes. There are people who say, okay, I can't do anything about it. This is just the direction it's going, so I'm not going to do anything. There are other people who say, oh, no, I can make it a better place, and one day we can make it all kumbaya, and people hold your light up, and we are the world, and all this kind of stuff. Okay, well, here's the balance that the Bible gives. The Bible says that we are to be salt. Okay, salt delays decay. Does salt stop decay? No, but salt can slow down the decaying process, right? Okay, the Bible says that we should seek to make a positive difference in this world and be salt to slow down that dying process that our world is going through. The Bible says we're to be salt and light. So we slow it down long enough that we can shine the light of Christ and his good news. Did you hear that? Okay. So I don't have any delusions of one day I'll make this a better place. No, it's not going to be right until the Prince of Peace comes back and makes it all right. Okay, We can't usher in a better world, but we can make it a better world while it's dying out. and Make a difference for the Lord in people's lives and share about Him with other people. Number three, world events, world powers are going to come together. Read your Bible, especially the book of Daniel, the book of Revelation. There's some specific things in there. 
There's some specific things in there that God, and you take your Bible and you take your newspaper. Friend, I'm telling you, if you read the newspaper, if you read the news, which, you know, I'm like a lot of you these days, I, I really don't kind of want to in a lot of ways, but I do still because I need to stay somewhat informed. I got my Bible in one hand, as Billy Graham said, and I got my newspaper in the other. You know what? It begins to make a lot of sense when you look at it. You begin seeing the signs of the times. Listen to what Jesus said in light of that. Mark 13, verse 33. He says, Take heed, be on guard, keep on the alert, be awake, for you do not know when the time will come. Jesus said, listen, yeah, you're not supposed to try to predict. You're not supposed to try to figure it out exactly. No one knows the day or the hour. By the way, when somebody starts saying the day or the hour, you know that's not the one. Because he said, no one knows the day or the hour. So he said, well, that's one out. Okay. So when people start predicting, don't believe all that garbage. You don't know. How do I know they don't know? Because Jesus said, no one knows the day or the hour. So we can't figure it all out, but I can start seeing, hmm, hmm. Some of the things that God's Word talks about, it looks like we might be getting closer. We're certainly closer today than we were yesterday. Amen? So what does all this mean? Some of you, honestly, you said, Pastor Robbie, this freaks me out. Okay? I mean, I've been coming to New Hope, and, you know, I'm trying to learn how to be a good husband, or I'm trying to learn how to manage my money, how to raise my kids, and you're talking about, like, you know, like Star Wars stuff, you know, I mean, this is just a little bit like off the map for me a little bit. Somebody might say, well, it just doesn't seem kind of real to me. It doesn't seem like real life impacting to me. Well, here's a couple things I would say to you. First of all, I'm just sharing the truth with you. Okay, I'm just trying to share with you what the Bible says. And secondly, and this is probably most important, don't see this as some cosmic story and you're just sort of, like I said, Star Wars or something. You're just sort of watching this weird thing happen and you're just caught up in this flood of events. No, see it like this. See it like a precious loved one who you have not seen in years and you're longing to be together again. And this person has said to you, I'm coming back, I promise you, I'm coming back. And here's some things that I'm going to do when I come back. And you can start knowing to get ready for me. Isn't that great? Okay, so we take these things and we kind of say, okay, I'm not going to get focused on these things, but I'm going to begin looking at these things and noticing. Because, friends, the Bible says that one day Jesus is coming back. What if that had been the moment? What if right now you were standing before God? What if Jesus had come back in that moment, that quickly? Or what if that had been your last breath here on planet Earth? Would you think about that for just a moment? Can we just, can we call a time out for a second on life? Listen, some of you got something in the oven. You want to make sure you get out in time because family's coming over. Some of you got some bills to pay tomorrow. Some of your kids are going, you know, uh, all kinds of directions. You're trying to figure out how to manage a house. All these things going on. Friends, part of the reason we come to church is to stop. 
think about things that we wouldn't think about on our own. And I want to ask you a question. When those lights went out, if that had been it, what would have been most pressing on your heart and mind? What would you have wanted to be thinking about and living out in your life? And if that's the case, because one day it will be, right? Why don't I go ahead and just start doing that when? Right now, amen? Let's think about it. What are some reasons that the second coming is so important for our life? What does this mean for our lives? First of all this, I need to be ready. The Bible says in Romans chapter 14, verse 12, listen to this, so then each one of us will give an account of himself to God. It won't be you and your parents. It won't be you and your family. It won't be you and the rest of us. Every single one of us are individually accountable for the life that God gave us. And I don't want to be too oversimplistic with this, but I want to try to bring this down in a way that we can just sort of think about it uh, very simply. Really two things to think about. If I'm standing before Jesus Christ, I can guarantee you, the, however you want to put this, however you want to word it, but the most pressing thing you're going to want to know is, have I ever given my life to Him? You won't be thinking about that bill. You won't be thinking about that thing in the oven. You won't be thinking about what are we going to do with the kids. You're going to be thinking about where do I stand with God. And you know what? He wants you to be ready for that. He doesn't want you to be afraid of that. He wants you to have confidence. That when you stand before him, not confidence in yourself. You say, well, I'm not good enough. Yes, right. We're starting on the right note. I'm not good enough. But he is. And he did it for me. Praise God. Are you serious? Are you serious? There was no way I could do it. 600 commandments in the Old Testament that we've counted. All of them in the New Testament. There's no way I could have fulfilled. I can't even remember them, much less do them. He fulfilled all of it for me so that I would have the opportunity to be in His presence. Have I been forgiven? Have I been cleansed? Have I received that amazing gift? That is going to be it. And if you have never dealt with that question, friend, today is the day of salvation. Now is the acceptable time to respond to that message. The second question, some version of this. What did I do with what he gave me? Okay, now listen. Good news. If I've received Christ as my Savior, I can have confidence when I stand before him. I'm a child of his. Thank you, God. Amen. And I know I blew a lot. Amen, anybody? I know I blew a lot. But I thank God I'm going to heaven. I'm accepted by him. But listen, sometimes we think that that's, that's it. Okay, I'm going to heaven. Well, listen, God didn't just come just so I could get a ticket to glory land and ride all the rides for free. Amen? But just to go to heaven and just have fun. He came to give us life. He came to work through this life. And so listen, you've got some relationships he's given you. You've got some resources he's given you. You've got a personality. You've got influence. You've got abilities. You've got things that you enjoy and places that you go. And so God has made that mixture of you so that you, you, only you, nobody like you, you in this life would make a difference for His glory. Now, it's not going to decide whether I go to heaven or not. Praise the Lord for that. But still, when I stand before Him, I'd like to be able to To say, God, to the best of my ability, with your help, I sought to do your will. Amen. 
The Bible talks about how important that is. Uh, you can go back and look at these verses. I've given you several here. I'm just going to summarize them. Second Peter 3, verses 11 and 14. It says, since he's coming, be serious about your walk with him. The Bible continues to emphasize that to us. Since he's coming, get serious. Some of us need to hear that. We're not serious, sorry. Titus chapter 2, verses 11 through 15. It says, we should deny ungodliness and we should seek righteousness or right living in our lives Living for Him because we're looking for a blessed hope. I live differently every day because I'm looking for Him to come back. Amen? 1 John 2 verse 28 says, Abide in Him. If you're abiding in Him, if you're walking with Him, when He comes back, you're going to have confidence. You're going to be glad to meet Him, not saying, Oh my goodness, I wish I'd lived more for my Lord. 1 John chapter 3 verses 2 through 3 says, Since we have this hope, live a purified life. So over and over again, Matthew 24 and 25, if you read that passage, he gives some of those details. And Jesus says, be watching, be watching continually over and over again. He says, be watching, be ready. Don't let this catch you off guard. Some of us need to come to church today because if Jesus had come back today, if this was your last day on planet Earth, you would not have been watching, right? That's not something to be ashamed of, but it's something to note, isn't it? God, help me to be watching. Okay, so what does this mean? I mean, are we supposed to get like a bunch of canned goods, run to Montana and hide out somewhere? Or, or some people take this. Some people take it. That always cracks me up, by the way. You know, you're only going to live a couple of days longer than me if there's a real crisis, all right? And everybody's going to be attacking you to get your food. But anyway... Other people take it as, yeah, we, you know, we got to kind of build up this wall. We got to kind of build this barrier because we can't let the world make us tainted. Many churches are like that. Okay, the problem with those mindsets are that they're not what God left us here for. God didn't leave us to hide out. God left us here. The Bible says to be in the world, engaged, not disengaged, engaged, but not of the world. Okay, so listen, if you're not going to make a difference for the Lord, he may as well go ahead and take you on home because you're wasting a lot of people's time and energy and resources, right? The Lord, he left you here. I'm just kidding with that, but, but <laughs> he left you here to make a difference. So if you're not making a difference, he may as well just take you on home. That just emphasizes to us the purpose that I have in this world is to live a godly life because I want my Lord to say, Robbie, yeah, you're not perfect, and that's why I died for you, but you were living for me. That's what I want to hear him say. Well done, good and faithful servant. But the second thing is this. It's not just about me. We just talked about it. It's about helping others. As I look for the return of Christ, what does that mean for my life? Friends, the Bible says in 2 Peter chapter 3, there are people sometimes they'll say, oh yeah, Jesus is coming back. It's been thousands of years. You Christians say that, but it ain't going to happen. Look, it hasn't happened. Well, the Bible actually predicted that. In 2 Peter chapter 3, it said there's going to be mockers, and they're going to say it's been a long time, but it's never going to happen. Well, in chapter 3 verse 8 of 2 Peter, he says, listen, you've got to realize time's not really a big issue with God. A thousand years is like one day. One day is like a thousand years. It's been a couple thousand years. In a sense, that's only a couple of days to God. So he's not like rushing in a sense of feeling like it's past due or anything. Okay? He's patient, but listen. So why is he being patient? This is, there's a mess down here. Doesn't he see? Listen to this. 
Friend, please don't miss this, especially if you've never put your trust in Jesus. The Bible says in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, The Lord is not slow about His promise, as some might count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. Dear friend, if you have never given your life to Jesus Christ, God is waiting. God is waiting. God is waiting. He's giving you every last opportunity to hear and to receive His gift because He knows when He comes back, the the, the opportunities are gone. You had your opportunity. There will be no more opportunity. It's in this life that we respond to Christ and trust in Him. And He's continuing to give you that opportunity. And listen, if you're a Christian, you ought to ask God to give you the same patience He has. How many want to sign up for, I'd like to get out of this mess. I'd like to just go, you know, get out of jail, go straight to heaven for free, collect my $200. Amen? When I'm going through difficulty, when I'm going through trials in my life, I say, God, I don't like this. I'd just as soon it be over right now. But if I have to wait one more day, because there's someone who does not yet know you, then it's worth the wait. Amen? That's the heart he has. We ought to spend our life helping people get ready to meet their maker. First of all, friend, do you know that Jesus is your Savior? Can I share with you the hope that I found? He changed my life. And then after you introduce them to Christ, helping them grow and to have that opportunity to walk with God here on this earth and to make a difference. That's what it's all about. It's very simple, isn't it? You know, as I think about the series that we've done, initially, the first few make sense to me. Spend time with God. Uh, deal with sin in my life. As I'm beginning my day, looking for opportunities to serve the Lord and to share Him with other people. I don't know about you, but this one wouldn't have been intuitive to me. Would you agree? I wouldn't have said, okay, watch for Jesus to come back. But I would submit to you today that if actually we did this one, It might take care of all the rest. I remember a few years ago hearing someone say, and it stuck with me ever since, I should live every day as if Jesus were coming back today. It makes a difference, doesn't it? Whether that means you need to receive Christ as your Savior today, because I'm not ready to meet Him. Whether that means you're a believer and you're playing games. And God's calling your number this morning, isn't He? He's done that to me before. Some of you right now, you feel like that spotlight's on you. And Pastor Robbie's not looking at you, okay? I'm not looking at you. It's God. So I'm not looking at you. But you know God's speaking to you. It's time to tighten some things up. Because I want to use you to make a difference in the lives of others. Would you bow with me? One day, the lights are going to go dim on this world. Either because your life here is coming to an end, or because the whole thing is wrapped up. If today were the day, what would you wish you had dealt with? Would you ask God to do that this morning? If you don't know that you're a Christian, there is absolutely no reason why you have to leave here wondering. 
You say, I don't know everything. I don't understand everything. Do you know that there's a creator who gave his life for you? He created your life. He has a purpose for your life. And you can't get to him on your own. In fact, you've been separated by the choices and the decisions of your life, the sin. Would you today say, Jesus, have mercy on me. Forgive me. I'm sorry. I want to be ready. If you're that Christian who's playing games, would you say, God, thank you for this wake-up call because I don't want to feel this day on the day, feel this way on the day. Thank you for helping me to see it now so I can begin living ready for you to come. Heavenly Father, work in our hearts. It's very difficult for us to reenact that moment Father, we've sought to do our best today to share the message. But it's going to take your Holy Spirit opening up hearts to see what you're trying to say this morning. Thank you that you came the first time. Lord, it was really just so that you could come the second one. As we celebrate this Christmas season, Help us to remember, my Lord, my love is coming back for me. Father, thank you for your word today. I pray that we would respond to what you said to us. In Jesus' name, amen.